Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Well under 200 in the playoffs. Well under. And that, to me, is alarming because you build your team. If you're a good ball club, you're building it for playoff baseball. And if, that's the, if you're hitting under 200 for year after year come playoff time, the approach has to change. Boy, um, some good stuff there from Coombe. And I want to talk about it with you. The phone lines are open right now the rest of the hour. Did a lot of White Sox in hour one. Which of these Cubs core guys should be dealt? And knowing full well that you're not going to get the value that you would have last year or obviously the year before, which of the guys need to be dealt? And think about who you'll get the most for who you can survive without because difficult decisions have to be made immediately. And there are too many of the same kind of hitter. I remember it. I remember so clearly when, when the league started to counter the launch angle revolution with curveballs that drop from 12 to six on the face of the clock with high fastballs that look like those curveballs. So guys swing under it and then get caught looking as pitches come that they're afraid they're going to swing under. It's a big reason why strikeouts are up so big because the league ebbs and flows. Pitching adjusts to hitting and vice versa. And the way that the Cubs go about things as a collective has been countered by the very best And that means they'll be able to hit against a lot of people. Be able to hit against a lot of of mediocre pitchers and some frontline pitchers. But when the going gets real tough and the best pitchers find you in the postseason and they're all throwing 97-98 and they're all throwing towards the top of the zone because they know how to attack you, then you're in trouble. Sixto Sanchez has phenomenal stuff. A disciple of Pedro Martinez. I love that kid's stuff. Love his arm. Same, by the way, with Sandy Alcantara. Love his arm. Those are the two Marlins starters that dominated the Cubs. Sixto Sanchez throws really hard, but he also has a real good changeup. He's got other stuff. He threw by far the highest percentage of fastballs of any start this year in the playoff game against the Cubs because he was told, stick with your velocity. Just blow it by him. Blow it by him. Over and over and over again. At the top of the zone, almost always. Over and over and over again. 
they need diversification in that lineup. And every year it comes in the form of of um, of Daniel Murphy for a little while or Nick Castellanos for a while or Ben Zobrist when he comes back from a personal issue for a while. You hope you've drafted it with Nico Horner. You hope you've uh, you've you've taught it. You send some guys to the minors to learn it, like Ian Happ, and he comes back better. And his two-strike approach, Ian Happ told me this year, his two-strike approach was a big, big deal. Something he learned, something he brought back. I, I have been so disappointed with the guy that I, that I would trade. And I, I have a T-shirt. Maybe you know. I have a T-shirt that a listener made me after I tweeted it one night a couple years ago. I guess it was in 2017 during his... That was the great year for Javi, right? Was it 2017 or 2018 when he finished behind Yelich? I guess it was 2018. I think I, I think I said it in 2018 and a guy made me a T-shirt. I said, my name is Matt and I once wanted to trade Javier Baez for pitching. Because I did. After he came up for that cup of coffee in 2015 and struck out just a preposterous amount, I looked at that swing and I'm like, man, that is just, it's just too long. He has to gear up too early. It's just, he's going to get abused by good pitchers just too easily in this league. And then he adjusted, he changed. He still breaks out the driver from time to time, as Joe Madden calls it, but he's also capable of shortening up, capable of going the other way with power and authority. Didn't happen this year at all, at all, all year long. Where was it? He talked about not having video in game, and I do believe that had an effect on him because some people are visual learners. Some people need to see, oh, wait, I am out of control and swinging too hard. They need to see it. They can't just be told it or can't believe it themselves without actually seeing it. I think that might be true for Javi, and he said as much. Because I never saw that adjustment. And in the playoffs, it wasn't there. Do you guys remember the rally against the Giants in 2016? Late innings to win that series um, in the playoffs. And they came back improbably in San Francisco late at night. And it was on the strength of two-out contact. RBI singles by Contreras and Baez when they both shortened up for the situation. Javi has forgotten that or hasn't done it or doesn't realize he's not doing it. So I am back. I am back to where I was in 2015. And it's been a lot of really good years since but I'm back to thinking that they should trade Javier Baez this offseason. I think there's value there because he's exciting, because he's a great defensive shortstop. But I think, I think you might get more value for Javi than you would for Chris Bryant right now, both of them with one year to go until free agency. And I think that part of the magic of having Javi for the Cubs is that the connection with the fans is so fabulous and he helps you draw. Don't think that's an issue next year. I don't think they're going to be able to have as many fans as they usually do. I don't think anybody is. And there's maybe a season ticket base that's big enough that it doesn't 
I don't know how many people are going to be able to go on the day of a game and buy tickets because they want to see Javi. I don't know how many families are going to say, I want to go see Javi. How many kids are going to say that and parents are going to be able to buy him tickets for a game in August. Might not be able to do those kinds of things for a while in coronavirus America. But you got to make a decision on some of these guys. And who would you deal? I would not deal Contreras right now. I think Wilson has improved as a pitch framer so well. I think he is a terrific energy guy. I think he is, uh, he shows an ability. He walks a lot. He gets hit a lot. Walks more than Javi anyway. I would rather have Contreras and his skill set moving forward. Plus you have another year. On him. He's not 2021, he's 2022. But that's my answer on what I would do. What's yours? 312 644 6767. Some texters are coming in and some callers as well. Who would you deal if you've got to deal somebody from the core? Texter says it was a 60 game season, small sample where he was pushing. That would be crazy to trade Baez. Okay. All right. That's you. Texter, love your show. Baez always last on pitches seen per at bat on the team. Bottom third on OBP. Texter, I think they'll get the most for Contreras. Also, the game needs to adjust to all of the dominant pitching. It's getting to be a brutal game to watch without balls in play. One suggestion, outlaw infielders playing the rover position. Chuck and Round Lake. That's a great text, Chuck. Thank you. Um, the, the overall issues of the game uh, are indeed present. You need more contact. You need more guys willing to make sacrifices with two strikes and play for contact. And maybe they'd be more willing to do it <clears throat> if there was not a shift that took their best contact spots away. I'm ready, uh, maybe not to outlaw the rover. How about two infielders on either side of second base? You can shade guys as much as you want, but two infielders on either side. I know I am outlawing some strategy, but man, this strategy has forced guys to just try to hit it over the shift. I I want guys to at least consider the idea of poking a single to center, poking a single to right. They need to do that more for the quality of the game, for the watchability of the game. 312-644-6767. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Let's go to the phone lines. Joe is on the far northwest side and is now on 670, the score on hit and run. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, man. Always enjoy your shows all the time. You Thanks. know, I'll get to the White Sox fans before I get to the Cubs. You know, Rick Retoria to me, is the wrong direction to go in. You know, between the last several years of rebuilding, injuries along your youth, I don't care if you would have brought back, you know, Casey Stengel, Joe McCarthy, or Billy Martin. You know, the Cubs wouldn't have done much. You ain't got the horses. You know, you don't win the Kentucky Derby. But they had an improved 2020. Renteria did get them to the playoffs. But regarding the 2020 Cubs, Matt, you know, they started off with a 13-3 and start. Okay, the Cubs went from being meteors, in my opinion, to beating, being sort of mediocre, you know. But for the next year, Cubs coming up, they need to forget about, I think, trading some of their core players right now. I wouldn't move anybody right now, especially with a major dip in their market value, you know, instead of maybe concentrating on starting pitching with three-fifths of your pitching rotation now being, what, free agents with Lester, you know, Chatwood, who didn't do much, and Quintana, who's been hurt. But I think we need to start concentrating on their bench also. I mean, getting Steven Souza early 
earlier on, they released him. Jose Martinez, they brought him. He went, what, 0 for 15. Hamilton, they put him on the bases a few times. It may have been filled in a little bit, but nothing much there. But the Cubs also couldn't replicate Castellanos, you know. But maybe trying to locate a leadoff hitter would be great. You don't need to put Bryant in the leadoff spot, and they need to leave Chris Bryant at third base. That's how come he hurt his wrist, playing the outfield, out of position. But I think next year with COVID-19, it's not going to go away. But for baseball fans, between protocol and prevention, I think we're going to expect another shortened season. But either way, 60 games this year, Matt, is better than nothing. But, Matt, enjoy your show, Matt. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks for the call, Joe. Lots of, lots of good stuff there. Appreciate your passion and appreciate your thoughts uh, very much. Yeah, you know, you, you look back on um, this era of Cubs baseball and the inability to get that second trip to the World Series. The title would obviously be great, but how about just getting back? The inability to get there. They tried, pushed a lot of buttons, signed a lot of free agents, made a couple of trades. Did they make enough? Probably not. Did they wait too long on some of the core guys? Yeah, I think so. But we're going to look at the expenditures, the financial expenditures, that one offseason of Chatwood and Darvish especially and how little they got. We'll look at the use of Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease in terms of prospect capital in exchange for Jose Quintana and just how little they got from Jose Quintana. Those moves. Because even though Darvish is now great and gave you a great year, it, it's, it will forever remain true that his first season at big money was a disaster, an absolute disaster. And it hamstrung them, caused a lot of problems. They had to go out and get Cole Hamels because Darvish couldn't produce. And then they had to keep Cole Hamels because they weren't sure that Darvish could produce. And that was a, a lot of money on the, on the payroll. So, yeah, there, there, there will be things to look back on, that's for sure. But hopefully it's not over. Hopefully there's at least one more run. And it may be with some of the same guys and a lot of the same guys, I should say. It may be that, the, that none of these core pieces will be traded. It's entirely possible. But I am throwing it open to you, asking you which one you would do. And I have come to the difficult decision that I would look for value in the Javier Baez trade market. God, my wife is going to be very upset with me, as she was the last time I brought this up. 670, the score is where you are. It's hit and run. Peter Gammons at the top of the hour. Keep it right here. I'm pretty sure there's not another organization like this one. You know, I've never been in another one, but I feel like everybody that, that comes through here, they don't want to leave. It's just the way they handle it, the way the, the front office is handled this and the way they let us be us and have everything comfortable for, for us. I hope I'll never leave this this city in my in my whole career, but anything can happen. You know, hopefully I'll stay here my whole career. I love I love the fans, the the dedication that they got for for this team and 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 the other teams and the other sports for Chicago. So we'll see we'll see what happens and and you know hopefully I stay here. That's Javier Baez talking about wanting to stay here, wanting to stay here in Chicago. A very very likable, energetic, awesome presence. Um, a marketable guy you saw on commercials this year. A massive fan favorite. And that's some of the reasons that my wife just came in and yelled at me. Just absolutely yelled at me. You didn't say that. Why did you say that? 
Yeah, that I would. If you push me into a corner, I would, uh, I, I would entertain a Javier Baez trade to, because I think I could get value, and I, I think you have to deal somebody. You got to. You got to find a way to change your offensive mix. Maybe you can go out and get a free agent who makes more contact, and there are names out there, but you're only going to be able to do that if you move some salary off the books in exchange for prospects to restock your system. Let's go to some phone calls before we take a break. At the t- towards the top of the hour, Peter Gammons is going to join us in 10 minutes. Really looking forward to that. This is John on the southwest side on 670 The Score. Good morning, John. How are you? Hey, good morning. Doing well, thanks. Good. So a uh, couple things. One, I'm, I'm Baez. Uh, you know, he brings a lot of value to the team other than his bat. I think we can throw away the 60-game season, I, his base running, his defense, his versatility. Uh, I, I don't think you give up on Baez. I think what you want to do is potentially look at getting rid of some of the big salaries on the team, like a Chris Bryant, for instance, who's owed $21 million next year. Uh, additionally, uh, I don't know what the what the funding capabilities are because of the season, but you got some free agents out there that potentially you can get, like Trevor Bauer, on a one-year deal. Why not throw a bunch of money at Bauer? Second of all, go ahead and sign James McCann. I think then you could DH Wilson Contreras more often, get more offensive punch out of him, let McCann handle the pitching staff. Um, and there is still, I think there's still potential – for, for this team when you look at the talent and the division that they play in. But, but trading bias isn't going to help you at all. Thank um, you, John. Hey, John, th- th- thanks for the call, man. Um, uh, Javi made 10 mil uh, prorated this year. Bryant uh, made 18 mil prorated this year. That Javi number will go up. Um, I, it, the McCann idea it, is interesting. I You know, Contreras is... is is here uh, for a couple of years, and he's got a very manageable number. McCann will be looking to cash in. I don't know what's available. I don't think they'll go out and spend money on a pitcher like like Bauer. Um, we'll see. I think Edward Alzali will be in your rotation next year, uh, among others. I just, I, I, I just think you're going to have to look for some. I don't think there's going to be – there's not a lot of value out there for Kyle Schwarber, who has not taken the next level – as an offensive producer. He is absolutely a 30 or 35 homer guy as a capable left fielder, but there are a lot of those. There are, unfortunately, a lot of those. Rolling on with the phone calls, let's go to David in Winfield. David in Winfield, he just turned 69 yesterday, did Dave Winfield, but that's not you. Good morning, David. How are you, Matt? It's a joy to listen to you. Uh, You're the best baseball guy on the radio. Now that I've smoothed your ego, um, you have to act like a general manager. And Javi Baez, I don't think it's a matter of giving up on Javi or not giving up. Javi's a very good ball player. It's who has the most value. And who has the most value on the Cubs, even this year, is Wilson Contreras. He has two years left at very low numbers for what he performs at. You'll mm-hmm. get the most for him. And I, you package it, unfortunately, maybe Chris Bryant, too, who is a relatively expensive player. I think those are the two guys you have to look at. I don't think you get value for Bryant. But Contreras, you will get a ton for 
versus anybody else on this team right now because everybody else on this team, and it isn't just this year. This is three years of this team having an offensive outage because, as everybody said, they're all the same. They swing the same. They go after the same pitches. And I don't believe it's a matter of simple adjustments. If it was, they're pros. They would have made them. They can't make these adjustments. Thanks, David. I, I appreciate it very much. Um, they have asked them to make the adjustments. They've brought in different hitting coaches to try and talk about it with them. And for some of them, it just not has not worked and has not clicked. And some of them are unwilling. Some of them are unwilling. And, and you know, it, if you're Chris Bryant and you have had the career arc that he has and you're steamrolling towards free agency, having been a productive, powerful player, why would you change? Why would you make some of the adjustments that they've been asking? I get it. Now, all of a sudden, after this terrible year, is he more open? I don't know. Um, I have something else to play for you from Ron Coomer that I'll play later on in the next hour at some point about Bryant. So we'll get back to talking about Bryant at some point. And it was very interesting from Coom about Bryant that I'll play for you later. But squeeze in one more call. Mike is in Mendota, Illinois, and is now on 670 The Score. Good morning, Mike. Thanks for calling Hit and Run. What's up? Good morning, Matt. I love your show. It's must-listen-to radio, and you are a baseball expert, the best I can find on the radio. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Um, I got to tell you, I think I'm going to be in the doghouse with my wife because I think my wife agrees with your wife, but I'm all in on trading Baez. I think he needs to be traded as soon as possible whenever, you know, whenever the finances line up and – the reason for that is I was ready to trade him at the end of last season. I don't think he he has the consistency for offensive productivity that that you need from him. Um, and I think his value is going to be relatively high. Uh, his offensive productivity for the last two seasons, which is a pretty good sample size, has been really pathetic. And, and I think it's time to cut bait with him. My question to you is, though, how do you replace his defensive skills? Yeah, very, very difficult, obviously. Javi has grown into a phenomenal shortstop. Makes um, all uh, of the great plays possible, really, and usually makes all the routine plays. Had had a bad throwing error against the Marlins the other day, um, and there was a moment a few weeks ago where it also looked like he was taking some offensive struggles with him out to the field. It appeared that way. And, you know, and that was a bummer. Um, look, Nico Horner was was all uh, was all packed 12 a couple of times because of his defense and was all defense. I think it was all America defense as a shortstop at Stanford. Very disappointing offensive year from him in a 60 game sample. But these are going to be some of the, the difficult things you'll you'll have to do and some of the the awkward decisions you'll have to make. For instance, it, let's say that they traded Baez for uh, a, a bunch of prospects, including some young arms, and helped restock the system a little bit. And are you going to get less offensive production out of Nico Horner than you got out of Baez this year? Not, not, not this year. And it's a different kind of hitter, different kind of player, but you slot Nico in there and you have saved all that money off the payroll, then maybe you can go out and spend a little money on an offensive free agent. Those names are DJ LeMayhew, Tommy LaStella. Remember those guys? Michael Brantley. 
And maybe they're all too expensive. Maybe they'll all be too expensive for what the Cubs have to deal with. But those are some of the kinds of names you got to look at. Contact guys. Guys who make more contact to diversify the lineup. Thank you for all your calls and texts. There will be time for more after our next guest. So don't go anywhere. One more hour of baseball. One more hour of hit and run with me, Matt Spiegel, and you on a Sunday morning. We will throw open the phone lines for both Cubs and Sox fans in the back half hour of the next hour. But first, the Hall of Famer, the legendary baseball writer, and a a pretty damn good guitar player, Peter Gammons, will join us next on 670 The Score. Hit and Run with Matt Spiegel, Sundays, 9 a.m. to noon. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is Sunday morning, and yes, it's still baseball season. In terms of radio, it's baseball season for one more day. One more day, that's today, in terms of the score. The Bears have been moved to 325. That means that your Bears pregame show is at noon, noon to 325. Kickoff is at 325 on WBBM. But Hub, Patrick Manley, and Olin Krutz bring you the Bet Rivers pregame show presented by Mail Medical. The Prop Swap post-game show presented by PNC Bank. That's Olin Krutz and Anthony Heron. But I I don't think that's actually going to happen today because everything's kind of getting pushed. Um, the Tech Zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at RosenHyundai.com. And we are broadcasting to you live from the Scores Hyundai Studios. Brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Uh, later on, uh, a man who watched the Cubs up close every day weighed in with some honesty on the offense. You'll hear that in a little bit. But first, I want us to remember that things were really, really fun this year in baseball. The playoff exits were horrific. They were frustrating. They leave massive questions we have discussed. We will discuss. There will be time to answer them and watch these answers get played out in the cold months ahead. But they played in a year that has given us so little, stretching the limits of what we can all withstand as a human race. There was baseball. Let's remind ourselves for now and for posterity of what was good. These are the 20 best things about Chicago baseball in 2020. Number one, two first place teams. The Cubs spent the entire season there. 66 days. The White Sox, 25. That means for 25 days, we had two first place teams in Chicago. Number two. Jose Abreu's best professional season after waiting his whole life for a team this good. Hit it, Jordan. Jose's been pretty much locked in this entire season. Oh, that ball's hammered. Way out of here. Bring him home again. Goodness gracious. Ride the wave with Jose Abreu. Well, you don't see this very often, but we've seen... Two three-run homers in consecutive innings by Jose. He's driven in seven tonight. He's four for four. I think he's going to win MVP. Remember that he played for 10 years in Cuba from age 16 to age 25. Ten professional years. 
And then the the colossally difficult journey to get here, the signing of the contract, the living up to that contract, the free agency, the decision to stay. And he's waited his whole life to be on a team this good. And he has the best year of his professional career. Was amazing. Number three, you Darvish's steady dominance. After going through physical and psychological turmoil, to begin his Cubs career, he not only refound himself, but maybe the best version of himself. That's what he himself said, that he's never pitched this well in his life. That is a long and interesting career, and Darvish was great. Cubs lead by four. Here's the strike two pitch from Darvish to Moncada. Fastball strike three called inning over. He was terrific and fun to listen to. Um... Just a great personality to get to know. Hasn't he been? Number four, they played. The players, coaches, and umpires, most of whom followed the strict health and safety protocols diligently for all of our benefit. A lot was asked of them to try and make this thing happen. And most of them, the great majority of them, followed the protocols diligently. Not Zach Plesak or Mike Clevenger. But most of them did. And I thank them for it. Number five. This night was amazing. Lucas Giolito's no-hitter. Jordan? Nobody's here to watch. But everyone at home has their hearts in their throats. On 0-2. To right field. Adam Engel is there! A no-hitter! The 19th! In White Sox history. It was a magical communal viewing night that served to cement Giolito's transformation and fully announce his arrival as a full-blown ace. Number six on the list of the 20 best things that happened in baseball in Chicago in 2020. The Cubs 13-3 and start. I know they were mediocre after that. And I know the exit was bad, but we're staying here. This is the good. 13-3, and three, during which they showed us that this last dance group was not quite dead. Number seven, the teams, the radio networks, the TV networks, doing all they did to make the games feel as normal as possible. I thought the phony sound was really good in the end. We had the murmur, that steady murmur. To accompany our lives in the summer, we had it. The cardboard cutouts were fun. The digital fans from Fox were not. Number eight, the Luis Robert comps. You remember them? I could talk about Luis Robert all day. I've seen a lot of Under Armour mannequins that look like that. Going Ken Griffey, going Willie Mays with him. Andre Dawson comes to mind. I was fortunate enough to be able to watch Roberto Clemente play. I have heard that comp with him before. A combination of Andrew Jones and Bo Jackson. A a combination of Cespedes and Mookie Betts. How about that? The combination of speed and power. I think maybe potentially Aaron Judge. Man, from Clemente to Bo Jackson to Eric Davis to Terrell Owens, which Benetti gave us at one point, and somehow Luis Robert lived up to the hype. Remember the wow moments of Luis Robert's debut season. Number nine, Jason Hayward's offensive resurgence. A terrific guy and teammate hit the ball hard all year. 
Haters pitch on the way to Hayward. Swung on, hit in the air, right center field and deep. Back toward the wall, it's got a chance. That ball is gone for a home run. Jason Hayward, a three-run homer, and the Cubs lead 3-2. to two. Can you believe it? Back-to-back hits by left-handers against Josh Hader. A single and a long, long home run by Hayward, and the Cubs take the lead. Oh, my. Hayward off of Josh Hader. Never forget the look on Josh Hader's face after that ball went yard. Actually, before it even went, he knew it off the bat. It was awesome. Number 10, you had 66 days of baseball distraction. You had 66 days of baseball as a vessel for your feelings to be passionate about if you allowed yourself, as I urged you to. As our old friend Barry Rosner likes to say, sports matter because they don't matter. So many other things mattered more, but man, it was nice to have baseball because it doesn't really matter. Number 11, Tim Anderson confirming his greatness as a hitter and as an entertainer. This was my favorite of, uh, of the things he called himself this year. Energizer bunny, baby. He's the energizer bunny, baby. There was pasta at his house. And then Barilla Pasta tweeted at him. He homered off Trevor Bauer and demanded that Bauer put him on his YouTube page. And then Bauer did with a brilliantly funny takedown of, <laughs> of Tim Anderson. He showed every time that he struck out Tim Anderson before eventually allowing it and showing the home run. But man, Tim Anderson confirming his greatness as an entertainer and a hitter. Almost won the batting title again. Number 12, the Cubs pitching infrastructure, helping midseason to fix John Lester, who was good, then bad, then good again. Craig Kimbrell, who was terrible and then figured it out. And others. And that pitching infrastructure success story culminates in an incredibly unlikely no-hitter for Alec Mills. The 3-1 pitch on the way. A swing and a ground ball toward the middle. Baez has it, throws to first. Alec Mills has just pitched a no-hitter. A no-hitter for Cubs right-hander Alec Mills. A ground ball to Baez, a routine play. The Cubs are mobbing the young right-hander on the mound, jumping up and down. What a great moment for Alec Mills as the Cubs win the ball game 12 to nothing. Well, a great weekend for the Chicago Cubs and a great day for Alec Mills. Alec Mills was not heavily recruited out of high school, went to college. I think it was University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. And he walked on. He walked by the team practicing one day and said, hey, I'm, I'm as good as some of these guys as a pitcher. And coach said, oh, yeah, come show us tomorrow. College walk-on through a no-hitter right here in 2020. Number 13, the unique viewing and listening opportunities that the games provided. Hearing players chirp from the dugouts, hearing home runs clank in the bleachers, TJ Antone of the Reds grunting, being mocked by the Cubs, and that silly drama. And just remember what it sounded like at the very beginning when David Ross had a scrimmage over at Wrigley Field. That was a baseball being hit hard off a bat. Somebody yelling, two, 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 which we think means outfield throw to second base. So maybe it was Rizzo yelling or, or some other defensive assistant. 
and then players screaming. You heard that kind of stuff all year long. Amazing. Number 14, the Cubs drafted Ed Howard this year. Ed Howard, one of the Jackie Robinson West kids who had the memorable run in the Little League World Series. And Ed Howard is a really good kid, interesting kid. We talked to him right here on Hit and Run. And then after he was drafted, this was unearthed. Video of Theo Epstein talking about the Jackie Robinson West kids at their parade that they had in town after that Little League World Series. Keep playing the game of baseball. Keep grinding. Keep working in school. Go to college. Do your thing. And we'll see you in the draft in about 2023. And the camera pans across players at that point. And young Ed Howard is smiling big, as Theo says, we'll see you in the draft in 2023. Nope, 2020, because they took him out of high school. Amazing. That video clip is now an all-timer. Number 15, Garrett Crochet arriving for the White Sox, being an immediate, terrifying weapon. Tall, interesting. Bonetti said he reminds him of a, of a, of a flamingo up there with these small little ankles going up to this massive frame throwing 101 with ease 102 at one point and a nasty slider baby Aroldis Chapman let's hope he's okay these are the 20 best things in Chicago baseball in 2020 number 16 having quick pitch every morning on MLB network and or scrolling through the highlights on the MLB at bat app feeling like you saw almost everything hey did you see that Mookie Betts throw yes I did this morning finally thank you Number 17, David Ross's energy, honesty, and exuberance. Listen to Ross from the other day talking about, uh, honestly, what it felt like being in the dugout looking across from manager to manager. Ooh, um, I've definitely felt green many a times. Um, you know, you have gotten across from certain managers where you feel like they're very organized in how they're doing things. I've learned a lot from sitting on the other side where you feel like a guy may be a step ahead of you or um, may pull something out that you don't see or weren't thinking of for sure, um, how people have handled some 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 things, how I've gotten to uh, learn from some mistakes that I may have made in certain situations and trusting a guy uh, that's been in the lineup and maybe be better spot pinch hitting and vice versa. Sometimes, you know, pinch hitting is not always the, the the easiest thing to do and coming off the bench without at bat. So, um, yeah, man, I've, I've felt green. And, and as far as this is something I'm good at, I have no idea. That's uh, you guys, you know, judge me on all that. My bosses judge me on that. I try to I try to be myself, learn from my experiences, uh, value the opinions and people around me. Um, and 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 communicate with the players what I'm thinking and 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 why I'm thinking those things. Um, I feel like that's all I can do in this seat is put my best foot forward with with the information I have and the group that I have around me. Um, I don't know whether I'm good at it or not. I have I literally have no idea. I just trying to be myself and um, do the best I can for this organization and the and the guys in that room. He he let us in right there, didn't he? And all year long, that was kind of available. Sometimes it wouldn't. Sometimes he'd hold things back. But, man, right there, he let you in. The energy, the honesty, and the exuberance. Lasting image for me for Ross's rookie season as manager. After a game, late at night, letting his dog run at Wrigley, playing fetch with him. Did you guys see that video? And wouldn't you do that? If you were the Cubs manager, wouldn't you play fetch with your dog at Wrigley late at night? Number 18 on the list, Eloy Jimenez and his shirt seemingly becoming more unbuttoned with every passing week. 
His personality and easy power are an absolute joy. This is him after Luis Robert almost hit for the cycle, talking about how he was telling Robert he needed a triple. Oh, my God. When we, like, I tell Luis, uh, we, not, we just need a triple in uh, the next two of bets. And he say, why you told me that? Now I want to fucking, <laughs> I'm going to focus on triples. I don't want to hit triples. I want to hit the ball good in the barrel. And I say, okay, just hit it and hit a triple. And he was mad at me. But we got a four-heat game, so it's good. Who has a better shot at getting a triple, you or Luis? <sighs> Come on, man. Me. <laughs> Come on, man, me. You know, I'm, the, I'm La Pantera. He's fake. <laughs> I'm La Pantera. He's fake. Eloy is a joy, man. Number 19, Anthony Rizzo's long-awaited emergence as a bona fide leader. Emboldened by the management of his friend and mentor, Ross, Rizzo busted his hump in the offseason getting ready to go, lost weight, um, and just the way that he talked about everything, every step of the way. Honest, energetic, and a leader. And I know it's a disappointing year offensively, especially how it ended, but there's been a lot of talk about him as a leader, and in years past, I think it was somewhat premature. Not anymore. Not anymore. And number 20 on the list of the best, the 20 best things about Chicago baseball in 2020, they played a season. It's as simple as that, folks. In this memorably horrific pandemic year, they actually somehow played. Thank you to Jordan Maley doing a great job producing the show today. I wrote this up on uh, my website over at mattspiegel.com. I'll tweet out the link in a matter of moments. But go over to mattspiegel.com if you want to see that. It's right on the top. Because there were damn good things. And now, back to the ugly exits. And back to the questions that linger. A man who watched the Cubs up close every day weighed in with some honesty about that offense. You'll hear that next on 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. There wasn't much talking it just feels d- different than, you know, every other year where we get eliminated. I don't know why. I don't have the answers for that. It's just a weird feeling. That's all I can really describe it as. But we battled. The Marlins were just better than us. Tip your cap to them. Congratulations to them. And um, it sucks, but Hit and run are. Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's sports station. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, that's Chris Bryant talking about a weird feeling at the end. And there's a lot of really good writing out there and really good uh, dissection of what's going to happen. And the answer is in the quote at the top of Patrick Mooney's piece on The Athletic. Nobody knows what's going to happen. The Cubs' golden age is over. And he doesn't necessarily mean that it's over for everybody, but it is certainly seemingly over in terms of being a powerful, well-moneyed, big-market behemoth going for it every year with a core that you can count on to produce offensively every year. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. Incredibly disappointing finish, incredibly disappointing offensive showing. Baez, Bryant, and Rizzo in the postseason since 2016 have combined to hit 134 with 51 strikeouts and six walks 
That's over almost 150 at-bats. Really, really bad. What happens? What goes on? They're attackable. They are attackable as a group. You'll hear that referenced in the middle question here. This is a little bit of Ron Coomer, who I thought was terrific yesterday on Inside the Clubhouse with me and Bruce Levine, in talking about this offense, which Theo Epstein announced as broken at the end of 2018, and then there were not big changes, and then after 2019 there were not big changes. And every year they've added some people during the season to try and fix things, trying to diversify the lineup, and we just have not seen it be productive nor be good. Why? What is the problem with the offense? Here's Ron Coomer with me and Bruce yesterday morning. Even though this Cubs group is a talented group, you know, I I haven't seen them through their prime of their career getting better. I see them, you know, changing their approaches as the seasons have gone on. And now you're at a point where, you know, David Ross made the comments um, on one of our Zoom calls that, you know, the offense is, it is what it is. We walk and hit homers. That's how we score. And he was correct. There is no doubt about that. It was not an inaccurate statement. But that's a tough way to win when you're playing playoff baseball. It really is. And so they got to go back to the drawing board and start creating some different approaches at the plate and understanding that swinging uphill and, and trying to hit home runs for everybody in the lineup just isn't getting it done. Especially when it's when so many do it in a similar way, it becomes attackable, for lack of a better word, for for the opposition. I hear you loud and clear, Coom. I guess the question is, can guys adjust, and do, do they want to hear voices like Chili's or otherwise, or does does there come a time when you have to move on and try to mix things up as best you can, even if the value isn't quite there at a particular moment, that maybe it's time to... To, to mix it up because guys aren't developing that approach that you're talking about. I think there's going to be a combination. So you're going to see some change with the Cubs roster. There is no doubt about that. This slide is continued and there's going to be change. So this, this norm, this team that you've seen is not going to be the exact same team. You're going to see a lot of new faces come February and March in spring training. But yes, guys can change. Kyle Schwarber can definitely change. I watched Anthony Rizzo at the end of the year work on his stroke to be able to get on top of the baseball just a little bit more. Talking about a guy that's a 30 and 100 and always around 280, he doesn't have to make a lot of changes, but just slight changes and then in the thought process, you know, probably more so than anything. I, th- I thought the Cubs were very tentative the second half of this season in, in hitters counts. 2-0, 3-1, you grind through the game to get to that point to have the game in your favor. Take advantage of that. And I didn't think they did. They took a lot of fastballs and good hitters counts. And when you're when you're doing that against good pitchers, especially come playoff time, I saw a stat yesterday after the game that was alarming. The Cubs, since, since the 2016 World Series championship team are hitting. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 